Hey icons, it's Jen Spiegel, mama four, serial entrepreneur, and your business and lifestyle BFF. I'm here to build a community of like-minded women who are willing to dust themselves off time and time again. We stand tall and brave and courageous in our journeys, and we really become focused and committed to showing and shining a light on our God-given gifts. Let's be iconic together. Hey, icons, I hope you have a pen and paper and your heart open for this podcast because I have someone who I am so delighted to share with you, Dr. Lauren Powell, who is a family medicine physician and also known as the culinary doctor. Her mission right now is to really help audiences learn about disease prevention and the healing properties in food, which grabbed my attention right away. Friends, if you're not following her, please go and follow her right away because you're also going to see there that she has a membership where she teaches you recipes and ways to incorporate healthy foods into your life. And I love that sort of hands-on approach, Dr. Lauren, that you always provide on social. You're showing up in such a beautiful way. And I want to thank you for that right off the bat because I'm learning so much through you. And I would think it'd be just really great for everybody just to learn a little bit about you and how you're in medicine, but you're also an entrepreneur and your wife and all these things. So maybe you could let us know a little bit about you and your journey. Thank you. And again, thank you so much for having me. It's like such a, almost like a full circle thing, right? You watch a show, you listen to a podcast and then the person is like, I'd like you to be a guest. And you're like, me? Who, me? (laughs) Did you know you messaged me? (laughs) So yeah, it was, that's truly great. So like you said, I'm a board certified family medicine physician. I did my residency in family medicine and I did that in Florida. Part of my routine is every time I got off a 36 hour call. So, you know, going in the morning, work all day, work through the night work in the morning, get off in the afternoon. Part of my routine would be to call my dad and he would like kind of talk to me and keep me awake while I was driving home. And I would talk to him and I'd tell him about all the patients that I took care of and all the craziness that happened overnight. And so one Saturday when I was a third year, I called him and I was talking to him and I'm telling him about my night and he's not really like responding or engaging to me very much. And he starts talking and it's just gibberish coming out. Mm. And so he finally tells me that since he woke up that day, all the words that he wants to say that are in his head, they come out not correct. And I immediately recognized my dad is literally having a stroke while we're on the phone. Yeah. So, you know, I got off the phone with him, called my mom, got into the ER. And my dad was diagnosed with like such severe diabetes, such severe high blood pressure and high cholesterol. And it really shook things up for me a bit. My dad was not a neglectful patient, as we would call it in medicine. Like he was coming to the doctors every three months. He was taking a handful of pills every day and every evening, you know, but something bad still happened to him. And the true was happening, you know, with me and my patients, I'm seeing him in my clinic, but then admitting them to the hospital for heart attacks and strokes and uncontrolled diabetes and all these things. And so I said, what does it mean in medicine? If we tell our patients to do something, they do it, but then bad things still happen. Like, what does that mean? It has to mean that either we're missing something or we're not telling them, like it has to be something that we're missing. And so that for me just started my journey into kind of really getting to the root cause of disease. You know, it's kind of like residency is exhausting, you know, and I was like, I just can't go from being done with residency and starting my career and doing these things where I feel like I'm not really changing stuff. Like I'm not really making people's lives better. Like I'm treating their symptoms, but I know they still have the disease and I'm not treating the root cause of the disease. And so I'm not really significantly impacting their life. So that's kind of where my journey started. And I recognized very early the healthcare system is just broken and it's not set up in a way that allows us to do what needs to happen to keep patients well. It's just not. And so that's when I realized, like, I have to do something that goes beyond the clinic. I have to do something that goes beyond the hospital room to help patients learn how to be healthy. And so that's kind of what I've been on a mission to do and just kind of traveling and speaking and 
you know, cooking and teaching people how to cook and making it easy and enjoyable and delicious and, you know, practicing on myself, practicing on my husband who is like the pickiest eater in the world. And so I always know if I can get him to eat something, if I can sneak something in there and he eats it, like I know that I'm winning and I know that I can get anybody to eat it. So (laughs) (laughs) I follow that. I see that. That's so good. That's kind of where I am. And I'm, you know, kind of like you, I was thinking about things that you and I have in common. And I think one thing, you don't know this because you don't know me, but I know you. Um, (laughs) I was thinking one thing that we have in common is that we're not afraid to like reinvent ourselves, right? We're not afraid to just do something else, like do something and it's fine, but let me just do something else and do it another way. Let me do it in a better way. And so that's what I'm continuously on the journey to do. I want to serve my community. And so however I need to do it, if I need to continuously reinvent myself and do things a different way, I'm open to do that. I love that. And I love that, especially coming from medicine, because I can't say in my experience, a lot of doctors have the same approach or outlook that you do. Would you agree? Are your peers looking at you like, what do you mean you're going into food as medicine? Or are they very open to that? Yeah, I think they're very open. I mean, to be honest, I think in the medical community, everyone has their frustrations. I think our training in food and stuff like that is very limited. Mm -hmm. So even if you recognize like, something is wrong with their food and they need to eat better. Like you don't necessarily have the tools to tell them what to do. So like, I've kind of been on this journey of going to conferences and going to certificate programs and just learning so that I can educate myself. But I think sometimes people don't know what to do. It's just complicated in medicine, to be honest. It's just very complicated. Even me knowing all the things that a patient may need, I'm limited still in the clinic. So even though I know, man, this patient really needs like a 45 minute conversation about their food and about their grocery list, but I don't have the time. And so you have to kind of pick and choose. Like, what do I, what do I do? You know, like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm still here. I still have to work. I still have to provide for my family. I can't. And so it's just complicated. I think it's just complicated. I feel that I can actually sense a little bit of like frustration. Is that the right word within you that I can see you just want to serve? That's your heart. It's coming through. And I think your patients are so lucky to have you, Dr. Lauren, that you (laughs) actually care enough to even have this conversation and to feel that, to feel that you want to give more. And I'm assuming now that's how you're moving over into your business away from the office is to teach food now away from that. My online membership is something that I'm investing a lot of time in. And that's basically a community for women where we have all those conversations about food. So I teach about, you know, food and cancer, food and diabetes, food and inflammation, you know, food and aging. Um, I do once a month uh, virtual cooking classes with them. So I literally say, we've learned all this stuff all month. Now let's put it into practice in a recipe. And so a week before class, they get their grocery list, they get their groceries and we literally cook together. And it's great because they're able to try new foods in a very safe environment. Um, it's, it's, you know, they feel so proud of themselves for creating something and then they get to share with their family. And then as you know, like our world is very different these days. And so this sense of community is just different. Like what we called community two years ago is probably different than what we call community now. And so just being able to virtually be with a group of women and, you know, laugh and we have wine and, you know, it's just, it's, it's one of my favorite things that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, prior to COVID, I was traveling a lot and I was, you know, speaking and, and doing stuff like that. Now I'm doing more virtual conferences. I did some things over the weekend, actually. And then really what I'm finding people are needing a lot is organizations and companies recognizing the importance of this and needing experts to kind of speak on it and develop content for them. So that's also something that I spend a lot of my time doing. Mm. I'm so grateful for you and so grateful you're doing this. I love the idea of a community sort of cook together. That to me sounds so inviting. I need to get my hands in that membership for sure. That to me, like, is like soul food there. That's so nice. I love that idea. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's a, lot of, 
Well, a lot of memberships, it's like, just give them posts and information. It's not always about showing up. And I'm, I'm feeling that you're doing that. So it must just be something they look forward to every single month. I know I would. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I provide them with lots of content, but I realize that, you know, like I was shooting cooking videos and new recipes every week for them and giving them libraries of so much content, but really they just wanted the like live cooking classes engagement. And so that's what they really wanted. And that's what they were showing up and that's what they were consuming the most. So I've just given the people what they want. Yeah, I think so. And I think just this year we have felt so isolated and so alone. So to show up with a bunch of women in the comfort of your own home and be able to cook together sounds just, I love the idea. And I'd love actually maybe just to move into that a little bit and talk about COVID and the stress on our bodies this year, because I know myself and many, many, many of my friends included, we have definitely fluffed up a little bit during COVID. (laughs) I can speak for myself and that's a truth. And so I'm wondering what you're seeing, even from a medical perspective, but also within your community, what's happening to our bodies due to the stress and anxiety of 2020? Yeah. I mean, a lot, you know, you were talking about us gaining a little bit of weight. I did the same thing too, because when COVID first happened, as you know, I mean, we were freaking out in the medical community a little bit. Like we didn't really know what to do. Um, Patients were coming to us and we didn't really have answers because everything is so new. And I was eating and snacking. I was consuming entire bottles of wine every other day. And I finally just had to say, this is just not good for me. This is not good for me. And so there's so much stress, right? Like, especially with women, I feel like, you know, and I I see a lot, I mean, I see men too, obviously, but I see a lot of women and we just carry so much. (laughs) We carry so much. So I think between being isolated, work may be compromised. You know, so many people have lost their jobs. So many people have had pay cuts, you know, dealing with kids who may be at home and having to manage that. There's just so much stress that people are under. And I think a lot of times we forget the physical manifestations of it. I mean, I had a patient yesterday, I did a visit with her and she was talking to me about this stomach pain that she has. And so we're talking about it. I'm asking her all these questions and she could identify the exact date that it started, like maybe three months ago. And so we're talking, we're talking, I'm like, well, what happened three months ago? Like you can remember the date the stomach ache started and you have it every single day. What happened three months ago? You know, she, she swore up and down. I don't have any stress. Like I'm good at managing stress. And then we talk about what's going on in her life and her significant other and the lack of support. And, you know, she has three kids, but her, then her mom is six, so she can't help. And so I said, it sounds like you're going through a lot. And she just starts crying. And I said, a lot of times our body recognizes the stress before your mind does. And so you have these physical manifestations that your body is telling you, I need to shut it down. Like, I just need to shut it down. I need a day. I need a week. I need a couple of days. And you have to honor and listen to your body because if you don't, your body is going to shut you down at some point. So you can keep going and going and going. And with so many women, it's like we're strong, right? And we can do it, right? We can wear all these caps and do all these things, but it just doesn't mean that we should. And it doesn't mean we can do it for very long. I'm so excited. I just can't hide it. That's right, because I have got something irresistible for you. It is so sexy. It's so juicy. It's so life-changing. And it is a five-day free, let me say that again, five-day free iconic challenge. This challenge is meant just for you. I had you in mind because I know all of us, myself included, are carrying a little bit of baggage from 2020, right? Maybe a little bit of fear, maybe a little bit of uncertainty. Things have shifted and changed in our lives. And it's almost this feeling of needing to shed that skin and leaving it in 2020 to bring in a transformational 2021. Every single day, I'm going to give you action steps and things that you can apply immediately immediately to make the shift into that highest version of yourself so that 2021 is the catalyst to all your dreams and desires. It's five days. It's free. 
no-brainer. I'll see you over there. All you have to do is go to my Instagram. It's right there. And my Instagram is Jen Spiegel or the Becoming Iconic Podcast. You can find it on the website, jenspiegel.com. It's J-E-N-S-Z-Z-P-I-G-I-E-L.com. Or just click in the show notes right below. It'll take you right to where you need to go. And I can't wait to pour all I've got into you so that we open this new year with a fresh perspective and the clarity and the mission for what it is we can do for impact and service. Thanks so much, friends. I'll see you there. Yeah. Yeah, and I find personally... I get really inflamed. That seems to be my body's way of handling stress, probably also because I have wine and chips because that's also my way of handling stress. But I've noticed a definite increase in inflammation, which I believe probably, and I'd love to ask you this question, maybe a a combination of stress, anxiety, poor choice of food, salt before bed. And I want to open this conversation with you because I would trust you in this as a doctor and also someone who's very passionate about health because I know in the conversations I'm having offline, There are many women right now who are drinking too much, eating chips at night, feeling completely out of control of their lives. And I'm seeing it manifest in so many ways. What would be something you would, you know, refer to someone like that? Or would you say to someone who's kind of got stuck in these poor habits of just coping versus thriving? Yeah. So I always like to start with like the fundamental things because sometimes patients you're, you know, I have patients who want to go off the deep end and they say, I think I may have this in this condition or, you know, they go for out there. And I said, let's just go to the fundamentals. Are we sleeping? Are we sleeping? Are we getting quality sleep? Are you going to sleep easy? Are you staying asleep? And are you waking up feeling refreshed? Because if you're not, you know, that's going to affect so many things. I mean, lack of sleep, improper sleep is going to affect your hormones and your cortisol, and it's going to affect so many other things. So I always like to start with fundamentals, which for me are sleep, your nutrition, the way you manage stress and what you're putting in your body. Like those are the four things that we have to have, like, you know, just you have to have a plan for. And sometimes it's overwhelming to think about those four things at the same time. So we can start with one thing and just work on one thing per week. Like this week, let's just work on your sleep. Okay. Next week, how are we managing stress? It sounds like we're not managing it well. Do we need to talk to someone? What kind of resources do we need to get? Do we need to bring your husband in so we can have a conversation so we can get some support? What do we need to do to better manage stress? And let's just, let's just focus on stress this week. Once we have that together, okay, let's talk about how we're moving our body. I'm not saying you have to go do a HIIT workout, but I do want you to move your body at least 30 minutes every day. So what do you do that you will enjoy? Because if you don't enjoy it, you're not going to do it. So what do you enjoy doing? There's so much free stuff out there that whatever you want, I bet you I can tell you where you can do it for free. So, you know, let's do something that we're excited about in terms of physical activity. And then let's talk about our food. Yeah. We can just start with breakfast. We can just start with lunch. We can just start with dinner. Like, I think it's important that we don't overwhelm people. And I think sometimes that's what happens is people are so overwhelmed that they do nothing. And so instead, let's just do simple, easy things. Let's do one thing at a time. Let's do one thing at a time. And these are hard things, you know, like, the lifestyle changes are hard. Right? That's, why, that's why we don't like to talk about them. That's why they're hard. They're, they're harder to measure. They take time. But promise people that the more that you do it, you'll just feel better. And you just have to trust me. Like if you just trust me and you do these things, I promise you, you'll feel better. And sometimes people don't even know that they feel bad until they start feeling better. And then they're like, oh man, I was feeling like crap. I didn't even know it. Yes. And then I find too, when you go to the other side and you start feeling better, you want to protect that like a newborn baby. You're like, I am not going back to the way it was because you, like you say, you have this realization of how horrible you actually felt and didn't realize in that exact moment. I love that. I love that you teach 
small bite-sized pieces to health. I really appreciate that you just said that because I firmly believe that's the way for someone to have success versus let's change your diet, go to sleep. And I feel people almost self-sabotage themselves mm-hmm. before they even start because it feels very overwhelming. So it's I really, too much. yeah. Tell me um, if you don't mind one tip about sleep, what would be your one tip to help someone have better sleep? So I think it's important that adults have sleep routines. So like, I think we're good about this with children, right? Like they eat dinner or they do their homework, they eat dinner, they take a bath, they read a book. Like they have this routine that prepares them for bed and adults need that too, but we don't do it because we're doing 5 million things. And then we're like, okay, let's fall asleep. You know? And so I think having a routine. So I'm always encouraging my patients to please get off your devices 90 minutes before bed. And it's so hard for them to do. It's just like, just put it away. We need to put it away 90 minutes before bed. I also like them to have some kind of routine or ritual that they do at night that is not like hyper stimulating to the brain. So that could be reading, that could be journaling, that could be meditating, but something that's just not hyper stimulating. Little things that are important. So like making sure the room is nice and cool. I love weighted blankets. I think those are great for sleep. Um, I also like not necessarily white noise, but meditation or, you know, 432 Hertz, you know, things like that at nighttime that help people sleep as well. And just really having a routine. I also tell people don't get in the bed until you feel sleepy because a lot of times people will lay in the bed and they'll, you know, they'll read a book, they'll toss and turn and they'll hang out. And what you need to do is train your brain that when I get in bed, it's time to go to sleep. So you do your nighttime ritual in a chair, in a couch. And then when you feel tired, you get in the bed. And just trying to keep a routine. So I keep a routine even on the weekends. I vow to myself and I don't have children yet. I hope to have children one day. And so this may change, but I vow to myself that once I finished residency, I was never going to be sleep deprived again. I'd been sleep deprived for like a decade between medical school and residency and you know undergrad. So if I have any say of it, I'm not going to be sleep deprived. And so I honor that. And my friends know, even when I go on girl trips, they'll be like, all right, it's nine o'clock. Lauren, you know, she has to get ready for bed because it's just, <laughs> that's what I do. I love, I love my sleep. I love my rest. When I tell people is I feel amazing. I feel amazing every single day of my life, you know? And so I just think honoring and respecting these things and they're important. So make them important. You've jammed a lot in there and so good. And you know, what's interesting is I read your post about that. You need eight hours sleep and I have always needed at least eight hours sleep as well. Otherwise I wake up and it's almost like I had two bottles of wine the night before. I'm like, I don't even have any alcohol, but that's how my body feels as it awakens in the morning. If I've had interrupted sleep or not enough. And that has always proven to me how important sleep is because I think, man, I mean, it was just five hours sleep, not eight, but the difference in the feeling of my body, you can't argue it. It just feels so different. People don't realize your sleep deficit can add up. So, you know, having one night of not good sleep here and there is okay. But when you do that, like multiple times in a row, your sleep deficit adds up. All the people who I can't control their blood pressure and it's because they're not sleeping, you know, maybe they worked a weird shift, you know, they work nights and then they're trying to also manage the daytime duties and responsibilities. So they literally are just like not sleeping or they'll cat nap and, you know, their hormones are all over the place. There's no way I can control their diabetes. There's no way I can help them with their weight. There's no way that I can help them with their blood pressure. And so I have to say to them, like, this is a you problem. Like I, I can't, I can't really fix this. Only you can fix this. And so, and I ask my patients this often, like, is your job interfering with your wellness? because I think we think about, you know, does our job make us money? Does it do this and this? But I think it also has to be in alignment with our health goals, because if you don't have your health, you have no wealth, you have no legacy. You cannot do your job to the fullest of your potential. I mean, that was my dad's whole thing. When my dad, my dad owns dry cleaners and he's owned dry cleaners my whole life. And that is his thing. Like he loves it so much. Like he is so passionate about dirty clothes and cleaning people's clothes and dropping them off. Like that is his thing. I mean, when he had his stroke, he literally tried to convince me that he needed to finish a few more deliveries before he went to the ER. And I had to like, you know, get on him. But for him to understand that his stroke is preventing his health now from being as optimally as it was. I mean, while he's here, he's alive and we're so thankful. He's not in the same state as he was before. 
And so you can't do that thing that you love, that thing that you were so passionate about. You can't even do it to the fullest of your ability that you previously were able to because you did not honor your health. And so I ask people often, like, does your job interfering with your health and with your wellness? Because we may need to think about a different job. Oh, Dr. Lauren, I appreciate that so much. And I feel the passion of your dad through you. That was pretty neat. And um, I love when people find their thing, but I do really appreciate you mentioning that if we're not looking after our health and we're so passionate in our job or our business or entrepreneurship, it's true. I mean, I always said in life, if you don't have your health, the money in the bank, how many clients you have, even your family doesn't matter because how can you serve any of that if you don't have your health? So I really appreciate you emphasizing that. I think entrepreneurs especially really need to hear that message today. I think there's a lot of people out there with this grind hustle mentality that they're not sleeping well. They're thinking about it all the time. They're just, they're burning the candle at both ends and it does catch up to you. I, I have a podcast about it. I mean, it, it got up to me as well. So thank you for, for sharing this. This message needs to be loud and clear to people. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I think everything's about like the hustle and the grind and who hustles the hardest wins the best. You know, I even think about in med school, like, man, I wonder if I was sleeping better, if I would have done better. I mean, like I was always walking around, like just so exhausted. I wonder if I really had a rested brain, how much better I could have learned, you know? So (laughs) yeah, it definitely makes a difference. Yeah. Okay. So I, I would love to talk a little bit about how you're doing it because I look at you and I just think, wow, I mean, you, you're practicing, you're an entrepreneur, you're a wife. That's a lot. And one day what, so other than the sleep, stress, movement, (laughs) nutrition, what are some of the other things? Like, is it how often you eat? Is it, is it what you eat? I mean, of course it is, but what are some of those tips for someone who's can relate to you and feel like I've got all these balls in the air? What are you doing for yourself? So one thing I do is I plan all my meals. Like I literally plan everything that I'm going to eat for the week. Even if I plan to go out to eat, like I plan that like, okay, Monday, you know, Monday there's this market nearby and they do $6 lunches. So on Monday, I know I'm going to get a meal from there. So I plan a lot of my meals, which helps. I always do one raw meal a day because I just think it's just so important making sure we get all our fruits and veggies. I like to tell people between four to seven servings of vegetables in a day. And so that takes intention and it takes effort. And so having a raw meal with lots and lots of veggies, make sure I I do that. I do do some prepping on the weekend. My husband is someone who can't eat the same thing more than twice but I can eat the same thing for two weeks and just be the happiest person in the world. So I do a little bit of prep for him and a little bit of prep for me, which makes it a lot easier. Um, I do protein shakes, probably two lunches out of the week, those days where I know I get to go home right after work and I'm not working out. Cause it also depends on when I'm exercising. If I exercise in the morning, I eat different than if I'm exercising after work, because I have to have food that's going to carry me through my exercise. I also am someone who has very strong boundaries at work just like in any job, they will try to work you and work you and work you. And so I have boundaries like, no, I'm not seeing any more patients. Even though, do I have the ability to? Yes, I do. But I don't want to be exhausted so that when I go home, I have no energy to do anything else. You know, so I'm very clear on, I'm seeing this many patients a day and they all look at me crazy because they say, you're young, you don't have kids. You don't have kids. Why aren't you just trying to work as much as possible? Because I don't want to, because I don't want to. And you're not paying my bills. So, you know, mm-hmm. you don't know what my financial. So I have very clear boundaries at work. And I think that's another thing that allows me to still have energy when I get off of work to do other things like jump on a podcast interview and I still feel great. I'm not tired, you know, and to go spend some time with my husband to follow up on emails and things like that. So I try to be very structured. I maximize my time. I'm like a, a very efficient person. I'm, I'm a strong believer in the, you know, those two hours before work in the morning So I'm that person that's going to wake up in the morning. I do 30 or 40 minutes of just self-development stuff. And then I'm going to spend probably another 40 minutes of just doing some stuff 
um, in the morning emails and things like that. And my brain is like so good in the morning. So I can get so much done in just maybe 40 minutes. I maximize my lunchtime too. I never spend my lunchtime at my computer desk, which is so easy to do because you know you have all your notes, you've got paperwork. That would be the time to catch up, but I make it I always leave. So I leave and I walk for an hour, um, which is just great. You know, it's good for good endorphins, it's good to get sunlight. Um, it helps my my brain just again work well. Um, and then I also have a team. Like I have people that help me do things because there's no way that I can get it done on my own. I tried. Right. I tried, and then I asked myself why are you doing it this? Like mm-hmm. you're limiting your growth without other people helping you. And so it's like either you get help or you stop working at the hospital so much. And so I kind of had to see what should I do. And so mine was to get some help. And so I have, I do have some people helping me. Mm. Okay. So here's what I, I'm like absorbing every word you say. You're so good and so knowledgeable. And one of the things I've realized in my life and probably I feel many people don't do, and I hope they heard through you is planning their meals. This was like a new concept to me last year because (laughs) it was just about eating well, eating healthy. But what I would find is I wouldn't eat all day because I would be working, 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 and then sort of eat dinner as I was cooking it, then sit and eat dinner and (laughs) another dinner. And so consume all my calories in like two hours at the end of the, it was binge eating really. I mean, that's ultimately what it was. And it was when someone looked at me in the eyes and said, you plan your kid's schedule, you plan what you're going to do in the day for your businesses, you plan your workouts, you plan when you're going to meet friends, you plan all these things, but you don't think about what you're going to eat. And it was like a, of course, it should be part of the plan of the day. So I appreciate you bringing that up because it, it says to me, a, this message needs to be spoken about more and more. And also that this is a discipline, mm-hmm. a true discipline. And again, you don't have to make it like a super overwhelming thing. Like I never want to overwhelm people with it, but just to type in your phone and say like, I'm going to make this, or I'm going to make this, or I need to grab this from the grocery store so I can put a soup together or we should have leftovers from this or on Friday, we'll order pizza. Like, I think just giving it some thought makes it so you don't number one, like end up emotionally eating or end up eating things that are not in alignment with what you're supposed to be eating because you've already planned and in your mind, know what you're going to eat. And even if you only stick to that plan 80% of the time, you're still winning. So I think like we plan, like you said, we plan everything. We plan our money, we plan our days off work. So why not plan the food that you're going to put in your body? I always try to eat as early as possible to allow myself, you know, because sometimes I do do some fasting, which also helps with a lot of things, tons of health benefits, but it also takes your mind off, like just thinking about food so much and kind of regaining control. So sometimes when I have patients who struggle a lot with their urges, I encourage them to fast because it really just shows you because they can do it. And then when I show them that they can do it, they're reminded that they're in control of their food and their food is not in control of them. And so I think fasting is another powerful tool to help with that too. Yes. Yes. My mom used to always say to me, one of the only things I know of that you can control in your life, Jen, is what you put in your mouth. Mm. So much of life is out of our control. Yeah. But what we place in our mouth is 100% our responsibility and we are in control of. And I remember feeling empowered through that message to know it's nobody's putting food in my mouth for me. (laughs) And so I own the responsibility of that good and not so good, but I really love this message. I really do. And I would love just to even expand on that a little bit more. I heard you talk about one raw meal a day, which I love. What other sort of top nutritional tips or food tips would you say for someone who is inspired by you today, they could incorporate right away and see maybe some change in their energy or health? Yeah. So I would, I would always pay attention to how you personally respond to some foods. So, you know, if you eat something and your body doesn't feel great, I think you have to honor it and respect it. It doesn't like that. 
So I always encourage whole foods. You should be able to look at your food and be able to tell what it, what it is. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, eat Jesus food, right? Jesus <laughs> made apples and oranges and pears and kale, and you can look at it and you can tell what it is. Man-made things like Twinkies and mayonnaise and Cheetos, and you look at them and you really can't say what it is. You know, you have to look at the ingredients, which, you know, I think Twinkies have like 27 ingredients or something, something crazy like that. And so you just want to be clear about what you're putting in your body. And if you can't look at it and clearly say what's in it, then you shouldn't be eating it. Um, So eating whole foods, trying to minimize some of the carby stuff, the sugary stuff. I think that stuff is always good. I always ask patients to look at their beverages too, because I think we neglect that. They'll put an emphasis on their food and they'll be eating, eating decent, you know, eating decently, but then they're drinking sweet tea and lemonade. And these fancy drinks from Starbucks that have as much calories as a meal. And then you're kind of, you know, drinking your calories and your sugar. So being mindful of the beverages too. I'm all, I'm like, I'm basically encourage water, you know, hot tea, green tea. You can have red wine. I I like no more than four glasses per week. Sometimes more than that, you can get a little inflammation in the gut. And so I say about four glasses, no more per week. And I, I don't want you to save them for one day and have them all in one time. So, you know, I say four, four glasses per week. And those are like your regular beverages that you have. And then like right now I'm drinking some kombucha. So I do kombucha probably a couple of days a week. And that's great for your gut. Uh, again, putting things in your body that are going to serve your body in some way. I say at least three colors with every meal that makes sure you're having a diverse nutrient profile. It's it's hard to tell someone, make sure you have iron and make sure you have vitamin D. No, like it's kind of hard. So just eat three colors minimum with every meal. And you're, that kind of ensures that you're getting kind of a diverse nutrient profile. So those are just some easy things. Ah, oh, good. Good things though. Really good things. Actually, there's a mentor of mine. I never met him, but I listened to him, Jim Rohn. He used to say an apple a day, don't eat all seven in one day. And so it goes (laughs) along with the drinking, right? It's like, have a glass if that's what you like. So red wine over white wine. I personally like red wine, but I think red wine has just more medicinal benefits. Okay. I love that it has medicinal benefits. Everybody, this is everybody's <laughs> favorite episode right now. I was just talking to a friend in Scotland and we were chatting back and forth and actually having this conversation is one glass of wine a day, good for us or not good for us? Is that a habit? Is it something we need to pay attention to? There's a lot of conversation bubbling yeah. around this right now because I feel like we got a little bit excessive through, I know I did, I'm just owning it through COVID and it really didn't feel good. Yeah, I got excessive too. And honestly, I had to just stop buying it because I had to make it less accessible to me. Because you, you know, for me, I would drink a glass. Like it was like, you get home and you just want to like relax. So I would drink a glass and then I'd like to drink a glass while I'm cooking dinner. And then you have to have a glass while you're eating dinner and you have to have a glass after dinner while you're relaxing, you know? And so for me, I was like, it's just too much. You know, I was consuming too much that it was outweighing the benefit. And so then you're, you know, you're getting all these sugar, the sugar, there's still calories. Another thing I encourage people to do is if something is like a weakness for you, don't keep it in your home, you know, don't keep it in your home. I'm not saying you can never have it, but that means when you think about it, you have to kind of go through the process in your mind of how you're going to get it. And you may go through all those steps, but you may not some of the times. And so I just think anything that's your weakness, I had a patient who was telling me um, she has like all these different types of ice cream that she keeps in her freezer. So she's been eating ice cream every night in bed. And she's like, I just can't stop. I'm like, you can't keep Ben and Jerry's in your freezer. Like you literally have like 12 flavors of ice cream in your freezer. You can't keep it if that's a weakness for you. Just can't. That's right. That's right. (laughs) Amen to that. So I feel like I know what your answer is going to be, but I got to ask it. So there are... Actually, I just watched Kanye West on an interview with the David Letterman. Do you watch that Netflix series? Oh, I haven't seen it yet, but I oh, like it's been on so my list. good. I'm hooked to these interviews. So Kanye West said, I don't use the word diets because there's the word die in it. <laughs> so <he laughs> use the word livets, which I thought was so cool. But anyway, I want to ask your opinion on keto or keto. I don't even know the names of them because I, I don't buy into them. <laughs> What do you feel about all these things coming up, telling people like eat the keto diet and you're going to be healthy? What is your opinion? I'd love to hear it. 
Yeah. So I don't advocate for any specific diet. You know, I advocate for the principles that I've kind of explained. So when a patient comes to me and they say like, oh, I'm going to be doing this diet. And I say, okay, like for how long? And they'll say, I'm going to do it for, you know, 30 days. And I'll be like, okay. And then what are you going to do? And then they say, then I'm going to go back to eating regular. Well, like, let's make lifestyle changes. We're not trying to make 30 day changes. We're not trying to make 60 day changes. We're trying to make lifestyle changes. So unless you're doing something that you can maintain for your whole life, I generally advise against it. So unless you can tell me that you're planning, you can eat this no carbs for your whole life, then I don't want to do this yo-yo thing. Now, some of my patients who have specific conditions, like if they have diabetes, I am going to be super, super strict with their carbs because their body has already told us that they cannot process sugar well. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to think about that. But again, I usually don't advocate for a specific diet. Okay. And amen to that, because that is so my philosophy. If it's something you can do for the rest of your life and you feel really good doing it and it's got whole foods incorporated and so on, but so many of these things are not sustainable. And so what it does is make somebody feel like, oh my goodness, I've lost weight or I'm feeling good in my own skin. And then as soon as they go out and have a pizza, it's just like they, they completely inflame again or, or the weight gain comes back. And so it's creating this yo-yo culture that we're in. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for your knowledge. This is so good. (laughs) This is so good. I literally could sit here and girl talk with you all (laughs) night. Like, let's go get a bottle of red and share that. We have to do that one day. I think we yes, let's do it virtually. Oh, I'd love it. I'd love it. That's a date. That's a date. So I'd love to know what your vision is. Where's this going? What are you going to (laughs) do? Someone asked me that recently. Today, I had an interview today and somebody asked me like, what do I see in the next 10 years? And and I don't know. I feel like it changes, like it changes. And I'm not married to anything. I know that I would like to be able to reach large amounts of people. And so however that looks, I do believe that that's going to be outside of the clinic. And so I'm open to however that looks. I do some nonprofit work as well. I have a nonprofit um, with a colleague of mine called Young Lady Watching, where we basically help support young women who desire a career in medicine with some kind of support, either financial support, test prep. There's just like a lot of stuff that goes into medicine and being a minority woman, there could be a lot of challenges. And so I definitely want to do more with our nonprofit and just helping to support women because right now only 2% of physicians are black females. And so obviously there's more than 2% of black women in the world. And so people want doctors that look like them, that they can relate to, that understand them. And and so I want to help people pursue their dreams in medicine. I have another business with a colleague of mine. Her name is Dr. Renee Paro. It's called Share the Medical Mic. This is a campaign where we talk a lot about just disparities that we see in healthcare and making sure that we really have culturally competent physicians. There's so many disparities in healthcare and a lot of it is because we don't talk about it in our training. And so, you know, one of the big things that we've been talking about recently is a young woman, and I can't remember her name, who just recently passed, 34-year-old Black female pediatric chief resident who passed in childbirth just a few days ago, black women are three to four times more likely to die in childbirth than white women. And it's purely 90% of the reasons that they die are things that have been prevented. And so we have to kind of go deeper into this cultural competency and biases that we may have and understand that all women, all people deserve good health care. And so we need to make sure that all physicians are qualified to deliver that. Because at the end of the day, I mean, I think we all want to help people, but we have to recognize our blinders that are on and why some people are getting different health care than others. So I have a lot of things that I want to do, how that looks and what capacity that I'm kind of open to. 
have like God bumps here thinking about what you are capable of and the mission that's been placed on your heart and the big generous heart that you have. It's so apparent. I mean, I feel like you're unstoppable. There's nothing you can't do. And I'm grateful that you brought that up. I'm really grateful that you brought that up on this podcast because it is a conversation that we need to make so normal, normalize it all and communicate this and educate each other. And I'm really grateful for that. And if there's anything I can do or our community can do to support any of these non-for-profits or passion projects you have, please let me know. I'm all for things like that. Yeah. Thank you. Just spread your wings, Dr. Lauren, because you're an incredible human. You are. Oh, thank you. Right back at you. Thank you. Okay. So here's the iconic question. It's bound to happen. And so I would love to know how you're going to be iconic today. It's so crazy because I knew you're going to ask this, right? I listen to every single one of your podcasts, but how I'm going to be iconic today is I'm going to live to the fullest and without any boundaries. What does that mean for you tonight with your husband? What does that mean? You know, I shared with you some of my dreams and aspirations. And I think sometimes where it's easy to say why you can't do it. You know, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm a doctor. Like, I don't have time to be doing this and that. And this takes money. And, I, you know, I, I don't have the reason. And so I think it's very easy to say why you can't do something. It's easy for me to say why I can't do something. And so I think those limit my dreams and it limits how big I can dream. And so I desperately want to be able to dream with no limits and I can just imagine if I could truly dream and let my brain go there and let my heart go there like how big and how massive my impact could be yeah yeah I saw this beautiful post today of a small little blueprint of a home and it says our plan and then this gigantic mansion blueprint and it said God's plan and it was just a beautiful image to remind ourselves that sometimes we box ourselves Mm -hmm. or look at the reasons why we can't do something versus all the reasons why we could and the infinite possibilities for us. And so I just want you to know, we are cheering you on. (laughs) I really recommend everybody listening, please go follow Dr. Lauren. I, I think my, the fondest like part about spending time with you each and every day is how you just show up as such a normal person. I have you up on this pedestal, uh, you know, and you deserve to be up there because you're an incredible human. But when, how you show up to the world is just like a friend and you talk about your husband not liking a recipe, you're liking a recipe and you have fun. And I love the pajama picture today. And I just really appreciate the authentic way of coming through and and impacting people because you've definitely impacted me. So I want to really thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you know how deeply grateful I am for the time and space you give to the Becoming Iconic podcast. It is an honor and a privilege to show up here twice a week and pour into you. And thank you for those five-star reviews that you've been giving and those beautiful compliments. It means so much. And the time you spend to do that is just the most beautiful way to give back. The other thing I want to challenge us to as a community is to share more. It's so simple to copy this link into a text to a friend who you think would benefit from what you just listened to or share it into your stories. Make sure to tag me, by the way, because I love resharing and allowing your network to maybe discover something that they wouldn't have if it weren't for you. And just a gentle reminder that jenspiegel.com, that website was designed for you, for you in mind and what you need in your life and business, the blog, the resources, the different ways of working together, they all sit there and they're available to you. So I challenge you to go over there make it a habit of checking out what's new and exciting. At the end of the day, I just want you to know, I love this community. I appreciate being able to show up for you and I just want you to make it a great day.